Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. I appreciate Carmen uh, being vulnerable and to share her story. And uh, so I also am thankful that each of us have stories and that uh, in this fact, this series that we're starting is we're talking about uh, gateway stories. And so um, we're going to get some lights on here in just a second. (laughs) There we go. But I'm still in the dark. Well, I'll go ahead. So um, <clears throat> we're talking about connecting today, and there's so many different ways to connect. And um, but but let's so let's start with some basics, and then I'm going to share some things that um, we have talked about in the a long time ago. But I just want to bring some of this stuff back up. And the bottom line that's very important to remember is our purpose is to glorify God. Bottom line, our purpose is to glorify God. And the way we do that is by making disciples. So we're told to glorify God. And then God told us how we do that. And Jesus made that clear. It's by making disciples. So let's go to that base verse in in Matthew chapter 28. Um, it starts off by saying, therefore, Jesus says, therefore, whenever you see that, whenever you see the therefore, you should immediately stop and back up some verses to understand what the therefore is there for. And what is it he's saying? Because whenever you see that word, it's telling you because of what was just said. Now, as a result, this is what you must do. And so we're going to talk through this. Hey. Thank you very much, guys. Um, Now, if my wife was here, she would have some snide comment like, oh, please turn them back down. So but she is she is out of town, Um, but she's listening online. So now I'm going to get a text after church. (laughs) So right before Jesus said, therefore, the 11 disciples met him where he told them to meet him. And when they saw him, they bowed down and they worshiped him. But then the Bible says, but some of them still doubted. I mean, you know, just rack your brain. How is it that they're still doubting? Everything that Jesus said has come about. And he had been telling them, I'm going to be crucified, that I'm going to be raised from the dead. And they have seen him, they've seen him since he's raised from the dead. And you would think that that would get their attention, but some of his own disciples were still doubting him. It makes me wonder about some of us that with all that we have in terms of evidence about Jesus and all that we're told in Scripture, and Jesus is talking to you and telling you to trust him with your life. He has a purpose. He has a plan for you. And to trust him, some of us still doubt and, and so we struggle. We still doubt, does God really have my best interests at heart? Does God really care about me the way he says he does? 
So these disciples now were getting ready to hear some of the most important words Jesus would say. And these words still ring true for us today. So Jesus told them, therefore, go and make disciples. Because of everything that's happened. And by the way, all authority has been given to me. I forgot to say that. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So all authority is mine. So therefore, Jesus has the right to say, go and make disciples. He has the right to say that. It's his authority. He has a right to call the shots. He has a right about everything because he's the authority. Every agnostic, every atheist, every cult follower is still under the authority of Jesus Christ. And the way that's going to play out is that one day every human being will stand before Jesus Christ on his judgment throne. And he is the sole authority as to who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Now that's authority. And nobody can trump that authority. Nobody. And if that's true, that all authority is his, then he has a right to say, this is the way I want you to live your life. He has that right. He has that authority. And he's saying, for you as believers, your life, it's not about you. It's about what I am telling you your life should be. And your life should be about making disciples. And where do you do this? He says, I, I want you to make disciples of all nations or people groups. And those who respond, you baptize them, just like Carmen was sharing. You baptize them by bringing, that means you bring them into the family. The baptism is their public confession of Jesus. And you're bringing them into your family. And you do that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why we always say that at baptisms. And then you teach them. You teach them. You teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. These commandments are there for their benefit, for their direction, for their life. And so you teach it to them. And be sure of this, I am with you always. Even to the end of age, even to the end of your life, I'm always there. Sometimes you may not be aware of it because you're off doing your own thing but I'm always there. So Jesus has told us, this is how you glorify God. Make disciples. Make disciples. So we nurture relationships. We show them Jesus by how we relate to them. And we invite them to know Jesus. We nurture relationships with people by just showing we care about them, by talking to them about their life. You know, we just, we don't come in and start beating them over the head with the Bible, but rather we build a relationship with them and we care for them just like Jesus would do. And, and then as we build that relationship, we, 
We want to be so full of Jesus that when they spend time with us, they see Christ. See, if you are busy about bragging about yourself, you're not giving them the opportunity to see Jesus in you. If you make it all about you, you're missing the point. You live your life in such a way that they notice that something is different. And you have something, and you know it's not a something, it's a someone. And you live in such a way that they want to know who that someone is. And then you've kind of earned the right to share who Jesus is. To share exactly who Jesus is. But you do it by starting with a relationship. I cannot tell you how many people that I've talked to that are part of our, our Gateway family, and when I hear their story, it usually begins with something like, well, I've got a friend, and they spent time with me, and they, they love me, and they invited me to church. I saw a difference in their life. I saw someone, and I didn't know who it was, but I found out it was Jesus. Now, one of the best diagrams that it's not original with me, uh, but one of the best diagrams I've seen that helped me to understand and hopefully it'll help you is using a baseball diamond to kind of describe what it's like, this uh, pursuing God and connecting with God and with God's family. So you have the, you have the baseball diamond. And, and so it, it begins when you're investing in others and you're inviting others. So you invest in them, you spend time with them, and then you invite them. And hopefully you're inviting them to know Jesus because that's the ultimate goal is for them to know Christ. And then when they respond to Jesus, then they get to first base and that's called membership. That's being a part of the family, not just member of the church, but a member of the family. You know, it's an adoption. Hey, you're an adopted person into our family, but we're not going to call you adopted because you, you, know, you are as if you're one of us. You, you have all the rights and privileges of someone who's been a part of the family for, for a long time. You, you are part of the family. Now, here's the sad thing. Unfortunately, I've seen a lot of believers over the years of ministry who make it to first base and then they get really comfortable there. And they get out their lounge chair and they just sit at first base. That's not, that doesn't accomplish what, I mean, that's got your salvation, but you're missing something very important. It doesn't stop there, it starts there. And, and so the next step would be that you, you wanna help them follow the word. Jesus said, Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you. So you want to teach them to follow the word. And by doing that, they start growing in Christ. Now, yeah, we celebrate when somebody becomes a new believer. That's why we hoot and holler when somebody's baptized. We get excited about it. And, uh, but we want them to grow as a believer. 
Uh, a couple friends of mine in the church have had babies recently, and you know, I get I call them, I talk to them. It's exciting. You know, we're, we celebrate it's a new life that's come in to the family. But then they start taking that baby to the doctor, and something they do every time is they measure the baby and they weigh the baby. They want to make sure the child's growing properly. Now, the joy of that child coming into uh, being and coming into the family can quickly turn to great sadness if the child stopped growing. Because that means something's wrong. And, and the, physically, the child just stopped growing. And it stopped growing emotionally, stopped growing uh, relationally, and just stopped growing physically. That would bring incredible sadness to the family. Imagine how that would be for God. I mean, when you pray to receive Christ and you got on first base, I mean, there's a celebration in heaven. The angels are all excited about it. Your friends and family members, they're all excited about it. But how sad would it be if that was it? You stopped growing spiritually. And you just camped out at first base. That would be incredibly sad. So the goal is to keep moving. And you want to get to second base. And we call that maturity. So you start following the word. You start growing in Christ. And so now you're maturing as a believer. You know, you're, you've become an adolescent, a teenager. But we don't want to stop there. <clears throat> I mean, the reality of baseball, you get no credit for people, players that are left on the base and never make it home. <clears throat> and South Carolina's been doing a great job getting them home this recently. So <clears throat> we, we want to get them to third base. And as they mature, then we want to start teaching them how to live for others. You know, your life is not just about you, it's about others. First, it's about Jesus, and then Jesus is going to work through you to make it about others. And you start living for others instead of for self, and then you start serving Christ. You start serving Christ. And, and so that gets you to the third base where that's ministry. That's your ministry. Now, one of the things that's very important to us is for believers to grow and mature in knowing what their spiritual gifts are. Now, when somebody becomes initially a believer, we don't talk about spiritual gifts because we want to get them settled in who they are in Christ. And uh, but as as things progress, then we want to start talking about their spiritual gifts. You know, if a baby's born into the family, you don't go to the crib the first time you see him and say, well, what do you want to do with your life? Well, they can't even answer the question, right? They don't even know what you're asking. So a person who's a brand new believer, you don't go up to them and say, well, so what's your ministry? Or what's your spiritual gift? They're like, what? I get, I get presents? You know, I mean, what is this? <laughs> they, don't, they don't understand yet. They're not ready for that. But we get to that place. We want them to know the spiritual gifts because that, that helps you to know your ministry. I, I uh, taught a class this past week at uh, CIU. And a lot of them were graduating and a lot of them were going into ministry. And so I decided to put them on the spot because they should know by now. I said, hey, I want everybody to go around and tell me your top two spiritual gifts. 
And fortunately, they all were able to answer the question. But I wanted to encourage them. So when they told me their top two spiritual gifts, I would say, well, let me tell you how those two play out with each other and how what they're the indication that gives about maybe the kind of ministry God's leading you to. And it was a it was a great exercise to do that. And, and I got to talk to some of them afterwards to further the conversation about some things I said about their spiritual gifts. And so that's why we talk about that a lot. We want people to know their spiritual gifts because that points you towards your ministry and what God has gifted you for. But we don't want to stop at third base. So we help that person to grow and to begin exalting God. Exalting God with their life. And the way you exalt, your, you exalt God with your life is you begin to share Christ. That's called missions. Missions happens here in town, happens in your school, it happens at your workplace, happens in your neighborhood, it happens even in your family. Some of you have mission work in your own family. Missions, well, we're told to make disciples to all people's group. We have a lot of people group right here in our own community. Maybe God's calling you to work with the homeless. And he's wired you that way. Some, I know some guys in our church have ministry to people in prison. Many are called to, to missions with... Um, Foster care. Some are called to go overseas. Some are called to go out of the state. Some are called to go right here. So your mission is where you take your spiritual gift to draw people to Christ. And when you come home, you don't go back in the dugout, but rather you're now helping people to get around the base. You help someone else to get to first base. You help someone else to get to second and third base. So you don't round the bases and then the game's over for you. This is where it's different spiritually from the regular game of baseball. You keep going around those bases with other people. It's kind of like you become the first or third base coach. You're coaching them, you're encouraging them, you're helping them, you're directing them. You're investing in them. And you just continue that process. I mean, I, there's a whole list of group of people that I'm mentoring and ministering to. I can tell you where every single one of them are, which base they're on. And hopefully as a balance of ministry, I'm always working with different people on, on different bases. Maybe that's a good way to start looking at people as you begin your ministry, your mission. You start looking at people like, is that person even on first base? Because if they're not, God wants to use me to help them get there. And then you become a cheerleader, a helper to help a person get to that next place in life's adventure. 
Now, some people, unfortunately, are sitting in the dugout just watching the other players play. Some are even just sitting up in the fan stands and, and just not engaging in the game. Some are still in the parking lot, not even watching the game. I wonder what base you're on right now. And once you identify that base, then how are you going to get to the next base? Because here's something that ties it all together. What ties this all together are two things. Worship and life groups. That's why we talk about those a lot. Worship, anytime we're fulfilling the Great Commission, we're worshiping and glorifying God by sharing Jesus with others. Life groups... That's how we, I mean, you heard a whole story about uh, uh, Carmen and how her life group totally changed the direction of her life. And, and life groups, so we do life together as a family. And that's why we are such believers in small groups or life groups, so that we're encouraging each other, we're helping each other. In fact, if you're a life group leader, I'm going to put a challenge on you right now. You ought to know the spiritual giftedness of every person in your life group. And if you don't, don't feel guilty about it. Just make it a priority and help your life group to know what their spiritual gifts are so that you can pray for each other and help each other. Because here's the cool thing. When your life group has an opportunity for ministry or mission, you give assignments based on spiritual gifts. And no one person has all the spiritual gifts. That's why we need each other. And I want to tell you, every time I try to work outside my spiritual gift, I get frustrated. Number one, I'm keeping somebody else from doing that work because I'm trying to do it. Number two, it takes a lot more energy and effort for me to do something I'm not gifted to do. Third, I wind up not doing what I'm supposed to do. So know your spiritual gift. Life group leaders know the spiritual gifts of the people in your class. Maybe teach a series on it so that everybody in the class knows each other's spiritual gifts so that you can encourage each other and pray for each other. Now, let me just give you the, the theological foundation for this. A couple of, I want to look at about four or five verses. Number one, being a Christ follower is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, not something you do on Sunday. It is a lifestyle. It's an everyday thing. It is when head knowledge becomes heart knowledge. It's a lifestyle. Here's what Jesus had to say. In John 10, he said, the thief's purpose, that's Satan, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. <clears throat> he wants to steal from you the joy of your salvation. He wants to kill your spiritual giftedness. He wants to destroy your fellowship with other believers. He cannot kill or destroy your salvation, but he can work on the joy of your salvation. And I think one of the ways he does it is by getting you to not know your spiritual gift. 
to keep you from using your spiritual gift. Because I want, I want to tell you, you will not find joy and satisfaction in life apart from your giftedness. That's where the deep joy comes from. So Jesus said his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose, according to Jesus, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And if that's Jesus's purpose, that's your purpose. We're to help each other to have a rich and satisfying life, which means get to the next base. Now, this lifestyle, a couple of components to it. Every believer is a member of, the, of Christ's body. Romans 12, 5. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. That means we're responsible for each other. We care for each other. The other thing about being a believer, every believer needs maturity. Ephesians 4.13, this will continue until we all come into such unity as a body of believers, such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord. Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. So that's where we're headed. That's home plate right there. That we continue to grow and we have develop our unity with each other. And that our faith and knowledge in God's son will be mature. And then our lives become fulfilling. Become complete. Every believer is a minister. Every believer the verse just prior to that one, verse 12, says their responsibility, talking about the ministerial staff here, really, <clears throat> their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's why I'm doing this sermon, is to build you up. And every believer is a missionary. Every believer. That's home plate. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is Jesus talking. And you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. In your hometown. In your neighborhood. Other places in the state. Other places in the country, other places in the world, you will have the power to tell people about me. So Jesus has promised, and this promise has already been fulfilled, that his Holy Spirit lives in every believer. And with that Holy Spirit from him, you have the power to be a witness. You already have it. You already have it. So, where are you on the diamond? Are you even on the team? That's where you start. Are you just sitting on one of the bases and you've camped out there 
I want to tell you, first base is usually piled high with a lot of people, a lot of believers, and they sit right there. My question to you is, which base are you on? And how can you get to the next base? I want to challenge your life that you choose. I want to get to the next base. That's what I want to do. So let's pray. Let's get really honest. And just be honest and vulnerable to holy God. And just say to him, Lord, I am stuck on first base. I've been there for a long time. And I'm missing the full joy of what you have for me. God, I just need to get in the game that you've called me to, this game of life, a spiritual life. God, I've made it all about me. It's time for me to stop that and make my life all about you. Father, do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' holy name.